Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This will be a short talk. Uh, won't be terribly long. For the primary purpose of just trying to return to the silence for David uh, prior to the ceremony. There's a story back in the old days when Suzuki Roshi was first came to San Francisco, and actually he had probably been there for a little while. My memory is they were of this story is they were still at the old place, the old Sokoji on um, Laguna Street. Current the current city center is on Laguna, but this is in Japantown. It used to be an old synagogue. All of the chants that they did were in Japanese. And one day after morning service, a student came to Suzuki Roshi and said, uh, Roshi, there's a short chant that we do before service. Um, what is it? You know, what what does it mean? What are what are we chanting? And the student was referring to the robe chant. And the story goes: Suzuki Roshi was saying, oh, mm -mm, mm -mm, kind of puzzling about it for a second, trying to translate it. I guess in his mind. And the story goes, Katagiri Roshi started looking through a bunch of, going through drawers, looking for translations. Uh, and at some point, I don't think it went on too long, but at some point Suzuki Roshi just stopped Katagiri Roshi and turned to the student and said, it means love. The robe chant, the expression of the robe chant means love, big love, not the personal, not the, not the, not the personal romantic type, but uh, love for everything, everyone, with, without picking and choosing. Love, it means, it means love. So a little bit later today, we're going to have a, a ceremony where that love is expressed. The love expressed of the Bodhisattva vow, a love expressed by the Bodhisattva vow, and of taking the precepts and of saying, Yes, this is the life I want to live. I want to live. I want to live and be lived for the benefit of all being and all beings. Someone I knew at San Francisco Zinsener who had, she had been a social worker for quite a while. 
uh, I can't remember if she was still practicing when I knew her, practicing as a social worker when I knew her. Uh, but she said in all of her years of working with people, it really came down to two things. She said, we're either showing our love or asking for help. This was how she experienced the fundamental expression of her clients that she had worked with over the years. They were either showing their love or asking for help. So as part of doing the, receiving the precepts, going through the, the Jukai ceremony, I would say that we're, we're both showing our love and asking for help. Because David will be getting up in front of quite a few people and he'll be reciting the precepts by himself. And he's going to be saying, you know, I vow to live and be lived for the benefit of all beings. I vow not to kill. He's going to be saying I vow a lot. So what happens whenever we do, whenever we recite the vows, take the vows, is we're asking for help. We're saying I can't do this by myself. Which is why I'm doing it in front of you. I need your help. I need your help to help me live my life in this way, according to these precepts. And in asking for help, so much love is expressed. It's the love of not being separate. It's the love of knowing how deeply we are connected with each other. It's the love of vulnerability. And it's precisely because it takes place in front of people that it is so potent. It's very easy, if you're getting married, it's very easy to go to Vegas and get married at the Church of Elvis, where there are very few witnesses. And no one there to help sustain you in your relationship. When a family member of mine got married a number of years ago, the minister leading the service as he was doing the vows, asked the husband and wife, will you help each other? And their response was to be, was, yes, I will. And then he turned to us and said, will you help them? Will you help them take care of each other and support them? And in one big voice, 
We all said, yes, I will. And then a couple seconds later, this little tiny voice of my, my uh, sister's grandson said, yes, I will. He didn't want to be left out. None of us wants to be left out. So it's really important that our voice is heard, that we support each other, that we support David, and actually we support Gerald, Etsudo, Miyoshin, Dokan, anyone who's taken the precepts. These reminders, you know, remember what you said about false speech? That seems to be coming kind of close. There was one teacher at San Francisco Zen Center that whenever there was a meeting and, this, and some of the language started to stray off, she would say, um, I don't think that's right speech. I think we're straying into, I think we're straying in the wrong speech territory. So there was like, in, in the role that she had, she was acting as like a keel to bring the language and the conversation back on course. So anyone who wears a robe, really, whether they know it or not, they're asking for help. No matter how long they've been practicing. And by they, I mean we. So I ask for help, too. Because uh, our practice is ongoing. It's, it's, we're never a finished product. Never, ever, 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 ever a finished product. There's a saying that deluded beings, uh, uh, sentient beings are deluded about awakening. Awakened beings are awakened about delusion, so they you know that we're you know that we're deluded when we're operating under the influence of delusion. Always asking for help. Always falling short. Which is not a fault. I want to be clear, it's not a fault to fall short. Because we're always going to fall short. And that's okay. It just means we're, we're human. We're fallible. Quite wonderful in that way. We can let go of the pressure to be done.
It's our task. Specifically today, is that a bearing witness? More specifically, by supporting the ordinate, by bearing witness. All the while we realize, you know, there's, while David is reciting his vows, we're actually taking the vows with him. In the first moment that we think about taking the precepts, that's when when we're actually on the path. The ceremony is really, it's a celebration. It's a celebration of the vow to live for the benefit of all beings and to express our lives in this way. The beauty of it is, is, you know, we can say, I vow to live for the benefit of all beings. I vow to save all beings. But there are no beings to be saved, and there's no one to do the saving. The, the moment that we think that there's someone to be saved, and someone who's doing the saving, uh, we've kind of fallen in, into the trap of the delusion of separation. This is why when the Buddha woke up, he said, ah, wonderful, wonderful. Together, all beings and I have woken up. He didn't say, I've got it. I'm awake. All beings are already awake. All beings are already saved. So David's acknowledging by saying, by reciting the Bodhisattva precepts, that all beings are already saved and there are no beings to be saved. And no one to do the saving. So he can say, Whew, my job is done. Mm-hmm. My job is done. All I have to do is sh- show up. Show up and be present. So this is what we'll do today. David will be in silence. He'll be, he'll be sitting in the back of this end If folks would like to join him, and we'll have the ceremony at 3 o'clock. And we'll celebrate the saving and no saving in beings and no beings. No saver. David can just say, I'm going to do my best. This is really what we do. We get up in front of everybody and say, I'm going to do my very best. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of today's celebration and ceremony. I'm sure David will have more to say about that later.